Hello friends, Tom here from wherever you are tuning in. I want to welcome you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, today's, going to be, today's going to be good. I can't believe that we are uh, officially in the year 2021. Uh, if you thought 2020 sounded futuristic, 2021 for whatever reason just sounds like, man, it sounds like it's way in the future. But uh, nevertheless, it is officially 2021, which means it's officially no longer 2020. Uh, for many of you, that is music to your ears. 2020 was a very, very difficult, challenging, painful year. Now, uh, what we're doing uh, this week is an extension of what Herrick did last week. We started a new series that we've entitled Transition. Uh, we're going to be doing a series like this every single year. So the, the transition from one year to the next, where we we spend some intentional time looking back on the year that was and some equally intentional time looking ahead to the year that's in front of us. Now, uh, if you have not yet had a chance to check out Herrick's message uh, from last week, the last message of 2020, uh, I don't want to blow this out of proportion, but I really believe that it is one of the most profound and pastorally helpful messages in the whole life of our church. So I cannot encourage you enough. If you have not listened to his message yet, go back and do so. I promise you. Uh, God will meet you in a really unique way and hopefully inspire you as you intentionally look back on 2020 um, <clears throat> and look ahead to 2021. So today I'm going to focus on uh, more so on looking ahead to 2021. Now, whenever we as people, whenever we look ahead in life, it's really, really helpful to have an example, like, like somebody to look to that's gone before you, right? Like whether it's a parent or, or a sibling. Uh, I think about um, me being the older brother, my brother Mark, he's my younger brother. Uh, and I, I obviously went through school first, so I was able to like give him pointers as he came up behind me in the grades, you know, being able to, to look ahead to someone who's ahead of you in life, a parent, a sibling, a mentor, maybe a friend, those who go before us can be a tremendous help to us in navigating life. Thankfully, we have God in the flesh. We have Jesus, uh, the, 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 the perfect human. He, he, he models for us how to live the human life in the way that God created us to live it in the way that God intended for us to live it. He shows us how to be fully human, how to truly be human, okay? And not only do we have Jesus, but we have the benefit of having spiritual fathers in the faith, like the Apostle Paul, who shows us how to live life as a Christian, how to follow Jesus while living in a fallen and broken world, okay? These, these examples of people showing us how to live. Now, 2020, 2020 has been a year of being confronted by the brokenness of the world, okay? Um, it's, it's we're a couple weeks now or so removed from Christmas. And one of the things that I, I teach my daughters every Christmas morning, okay, is something that my father taught me. You know, you have a Christmas morning, you're, you're, you know, you're gathered around the tree, you're opening presents, you know, and... And sometimes, you know, every kid opens clothes and they're like, okay, next one, you know. But <clears throat> inevitably, some of, the, some of the presents will be toys. And one of the things that stuck with me as a child that my dad taught me was the reality that all toys break. 
And so I've passed that on to my children. I let them know, I remind them. They've heard it a hundred times, but I remind them. They, they're, they're excited to play this toy. I go, hey, I'm so excited for you to play with this. I hope that you have so much fun with this and enjoy it for a long time. But I just want to remind you, all toys break. Okay, why? Because I don't want them to be shocked and surprised by the brokenness around them. We live in a fallen, broken world. Sin, Satan, and death has ha, the, 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 the ramifications of sin and the work of Satan is death and destruction and decay and brokenness. It's inevitable, okay? We live in a broken world. Um, many of you know that uh, a couple weeks ago, or more than that now, I, uh, a few weeks ago, whatever it's been, <clears throat> uh, I, my household was battling COVID. It was not fun. Um, and probably, at least in our case, the least fun part of it was the, the quarantining. And in, in my quarantine, uh, I was in my bedroom all by myself for almost two weeks. And uh, I, I stumbled upon the, some of the old home videos that my folks took when I was a young kid, like a young boy. Okay, some even before my brother was born, some after my brother was born. And uh, <clears throat> I'm watching these videos, right? I'm like sitting in my bed in quarantine, checking out these videos, kind of like ashamed of some of my behavior as a child, you know? And like, why did I talk like that? Why did I sound like that? Why did I behave like that? I'm just kind of like, you know, doing the whole critical thing of watching these old home videos. But one of the things about watching all of these videos was, it, it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks of like, wow, that, I, I grew up in such a different time. Like things were so different. Like kids, as a child, I feel like I had so much more freedom, you know, to go play in the neighborhood and to, and to, to, to go try things and to like, and not necessarily in a bad way, but like in a good way. I had more freedom to be a kid and try different things to explore, you know, even to like fall down and get hurt and scrape my knee and those kinds of things, you know? And I'm watching the way that my parents parented me in a good way. And I felt like personally, like for me, I was like, man, I feel like kind of like a helicopter parent. You know, where you're kind of hovering around your kids and, and making and, and going, going to great lengths to keep them from getting hurt or, you know, whatever, right? I kind of felt like a helicopter parent. And it got me thinking things were so different then than they are now, especially when it comes to kind of the freedom that children have to explore and play and, right? Like I think about my girls going outside in the front yard to play without us and it's just like no chance. I did that all the time as a kid. And that's not an indictment on my parents. If, if, you, if you grew up in the 80s uh, like I did, you, you kind of experienced the same thing that we all did. It was just what you did. But it got me thinking, like, things are different now. Why? Why? What, what changed? And I was like, okay, I thought, started thinking, maybe, things are, maybe it's like there's just more evil now. There's more bad things that can happen. But I have this theory. And my theory is this, I don't think there's more evil now than there was then. I think we have more information. I think we're more informed about the evil that is present now. And because of that, the result of that is now when I find myself parenting, I find myself parenting probably with more fear than my parents had. Maybe you can relate to that. I think... I, like my theory, I, I, generationally speaking, fear has increased over time. It's, it's, it's been on the rise. And I believe that in 2020, we saw a really big jump in two specific areas of brokenness 
in our society, one of which is fear, like I just kind of mentioned. Like, I, I, am I going to lose, fill in the blank, am I going to lose my life because of COVID? Am I going to lose a loved one because of COVID? Am I going to lose my, my job or my business or my, my liberties here in America? All these different things that people are thinking about. This is fear. Am I going to lose something that, that, that it matters to me? Am I, uh, this fear of the unknown on the rise, an increase, a big jump. Then the second one, the second area of brokenness that I, I feel like is, is on, the, on, the, on, the, on the rise because of 2021 is division. Fear and division. You're seeing this like this growing distance and even like, honestly, even like a growing hatred for people who are different than you. And I'm not making an accusation to you specifically, but one of the common threads we see is a growing anger, a growing bitterness that, if you have bitterness in your heart, it's only inevitable that hatred starts to happen, okay? We see this growing anger, this growing bitterness, this growing even hatred for people who are different. Now, I believe increased fear and division is the new normal, at least for now. Talk about like, oh, we want things to go back to the way they were, back to normal. I don't, uh, I, I look at my parents and the way that they parented and I can see an increase of fear in me and my parenting. And I think that over time, generationally, fear is increasing, division is increasing. And I think 2020 was a year, man, that was catalytic in that increase in fear, in that increase in division. So the question then becomes, how do we adapt? As followers of Jesus, how do we adapt to a new normal? Like how do we now live in light of the reality that fear has increased, division has increased, no matter where you are on either spectrum politically or any other, any other uh, area of life, no matter where you fall on any spectrum, like you cannot disagree. There is more fear than there was prior to 2020. There is more division than there was prior to 2020. So how do we live? That's what we're going to talk about today. Okay, as we look ahead to 2021, how are we going to live? How are we going to adapt to this new, these new aspects of life? Okay, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3 today. Glorious passage of scripture. So if you have a Bible close by, you can grab that. Um, the team's going to put the words up here for you. Or maybe here, I'm not sure. One of the sides, you'll see the words. But before I jump into God's word, I just want to take a moment and pray for us. So wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, if you would just take a moment and pray along with me. God, we, we, we need you. We thank you for blessing us with life, for giving us yourself. Holy Spirit, I, I just want to ask for you to bring clarity in this moment right now. Would you help me to bless and serve um, and encourage the people tuning in? And would you please, would you show us more of your glory? Would you teach us? Holy Spirit, we need you. Jesus, we love you. Father, we're grateful. Amen. Amen. Okay. So we're going to jump in here really quickly. Uh, Philippians, incredible letter that Paul the Apostle wrote to Christians in the city of Philippi, okay? And you need to know something before we jump in here. Paul, he is writing 
this letter in awful circumstances. Okay, dare I say 2020 circumstances, okay? There's tons, there's not tons, there's plenty of fear and division going on all around him, okay? Plenty of reasons to be afraid. You see, it was dangerous at this time to be a Christian. Okay, you Christians being persecuted by both the Jews and the Romans. Okay, so they're kind of getting it from both sides here. And you need to understand as well that the Jews, they were heavily divided about Jesus, whether or not he was the Messiah. If you believed he was the Messiah, now you're a Christian. If you don't believe he was the Messiah, you now have people amongst your Jewish, you know, your, your Jewish uh, community who believe that the Messiah has come when you disagree. So massively divided there, right? Because of all these factors, Paul the Apostle, he's writing this letter to Christians in the city of Philippi, and he's writing it from prison, from, from, a, from a jail cell, okay? And he's waiting to find out if he's going to be executed. Those are rough circumstances, okay? People he knows and loves, other brothers and sisters in Christ that have died because of their faith, that are being actively persecuted by the secular Romans and by the religious Jews, the, 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 the suffering and the pain and the turmoil and the strife that this man has experienced is very real. Dare I say he has 2020 circumstances, okay? Rough circumstances. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read a little bit, um, <clears throat> and then I'm going to talk a little bit, all right? And so I'll kind of interrupt and stuff, but here we go. Philippians chapter 3, starting here in verse 1, says this. In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. Pause for just a second. He starts out by saying, in addition. Okay, I don't want to just gloss over that really quickly. Paul just got done exhorting these Philippian Christians to live with humility, okay? It's a glorious passage prior to this. You should check it out. But he exhorts them to live with humility. And then he, now he shifts his focus to what? He says, rejoice in the Lord. What does that mean? What does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? Paul's going to tell us. Let's keep reading verse 2 here. He says this, watch out for the dogs. Okay, he's giving a warning here. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. Okay, he's referring here to the Judaizers. Uh, the Judaizers, they were Jews who believed that it's what you do that makes a person righteous. Okay, and so the things you engage in or the things that you don't engage in is what makes a per person righteous. In this case... It was the, the act of circumcision. Okay, that's why he's talking about mutilating the flesh. Now, when you hear me say righteous, what makes a person righteous, I don't want you to get confused. Simple, what it, most, what it means kind of the, in the most simple form is just to be acceptable. Okay, to be acceptable. So the, these were Jews. He's warning these Christians. He's warning them of the, of the Judaizers, the Jews. He's warning them... <clears throat> um, to watch out for these Jews that believe that what you do is what makes you acceptable. Okay, so in their case, the act of circumcision made these Jews acceptable. All right? Now, here's the thing. Modern people like you, like me, we do all sorts of things to make ourselves acceptable. All right? We, we, we can't really relate with the whole circumcision thing. I don't think many of us are walking around going, this is what makes me acceptable, Right? For you, it's probably not what it was for them in that case. But it is something. It is something. 
How do you know what it is for you? Don't, don't, please, 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 don't be arrogant and prideful and thinking like, no, 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 I don't, that's not me. That doesn't describe me. Like, no, we all do things to make ourselves acceptable. We all do things to make ourselves righteous. How do you know what it is for you? How do you identify it? Listen, you know you're doing something that makes yourself acceptable if you boast about it. It's a huge indicator, okay? Now, you might be thinking like, Tom, I'm really not a cocky person. Like, I don't even like talking about myself, let alone boasting. Now, that word boast, it sounds kind of intense, doesn't it? It sounds kind of extreme to us modern people. Why? Because we automatically think like boasting kind of turns others off. It's a negative thing. But here's the thing about boasting. It, so oftentimes it, it, it flies under the radar, okay? Which means you don't really know you're doing it. But it's actually a really common practice. And probably the most common form of boasting is posting. Like think about it, your, your, your social media feed. Right, you're posting things up there. And oftentimes, it's something like this. It's like, check this out. I'm posting this. Look at, I have adorable kids. I, I have a great spouse. I have a healthy marriage. I, I travel to really cool places. Or I do really fun and creative things. Or, like, I, I, you know, I care deeply about this social justice initiative or, or, or I align with these political beliefs or I don't align with those political beliefs or check out this video of what I can do. Posting is the modern form of boasting. And listen, friends, I'm not saying that all of your posts are boasts, but I would bet you that some of them are. You see, the truth is that we look to all sorts of things to make ourselves acceptable, righteous. This is what's called works righteousness, okay? And it says what you do or don't do is what makes you acceptable or not, okay? And you need to know something. That's the opposite of Christianity. It's the opposite of Christianity. Now listen, <clears throat> you don't have to be doing like even a good job at what you post or whatever to get caught up in this idea of works righteousness, okay? You just have to buy into the lie that it's what's on the outside that makes you acceptable, okay? This is why Paul in this passage, he uses the language of flesh. Think about flesh for a second. Where is flesh on your body? It's on the outside, okay? So watch, Paul's gonna use this word flesh a lot. Let's keep reading, check it out. Verse three. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, who boast in Christ and do not put confidence in the flesh. Verse four. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Okay, really quickly. Paul's saying it's not what's on the outside that makes a person acceptable. Okay, it's not what you do or don't do. And then he goes on to say, he says, we, talking about Christians, about followers of Jesus, we are the circumcision. In other words, we are the true people of God. 
Okay? And then what he does, what does he do? He lists three things that describe a true follower. Did you catch what they were? Okay, he says, they worship by the Spirit of God, they boast in Christ, and they do not put confidence in the flesh. Those three things, okay? Regarding this idea of what it means to worship by the Spirit, one commentator says this, quote, Our religious service is rendered by the Spirit. Legal worship was outward and consisted, and consisted in outward acts, restricted to certain times and places. Christian worship is spiritual, flowing from the inworkings of the Holy Spirit, not relating to certain isolated acts, but listen to this, but embracing the whole of life. Okay, so I want you to think, think overflow, right? So think of out of the heart where the Spirit of God dwells, leading you, guiding you to ascribe worth to Him. That's what worship is. He says, true followers, they, they, they worship by the Spirit of God. He says, they boast in Christ. Okay, so, so not in what they do or don't do, but rather in what He, Jesus, has done and what He never did, which was sin. Okay, and that what He, what he never did, sin, and what He has done, perfect righteousness, the right way the whole time, He did that as a substitute. Okay, this idea of boasting in Christ, what He has done and what He never did. Okay? He says, that's what makes followers of God truly acceptable, the substitutional, substitutionary work of Jesus. Okay? See, what the, the, the problem that we as, as human beings often fall into um, that, that, that kind of impacts our boasting, whether we boast in Christ or whether we boast in other things, is often it's comparison. Like, we compare ourselves to other imperfect people. And it's like, you're more imperfect than me, so therefore I'm acceptable. But that's not the standard. The standard is perfection. And there's only one perfect one. There's only one perfect... There's only, there, Jesus is the only perfect one who did all the do's properly and, and skipped all the don'ts. And therefore, he's the only one who's righteous. And... He's our only hope for righteousness, that he would give it to us, offer it to us freely as a gift, as our substitute. He's the only perfect one. So Paul says that the true follower boasts in Christ, and also the true follower does not put confidence in the flesh. A true Christian's confidence is not in what's on the outside, the flesh, right? And then what's Paul going to do here? He's going to list the reasons he could have confidence in the external, in the flesh. Check it out. Uh, pick it back up in verse 5. Here's his list, okay, his resume. He's like, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, zeal like passion, persecuting the church, Regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless, he says. Okay, so this really quick, this is kind of the equivalent of Paul's Instagram feed. Okay, he's like, check out my ethnicity. Like, I'm Jewish. I'm, I'm, I'm part of God's chosen people. He goes, look at my family. I, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Look at my last name. Uh, <clears throat> he goes, I was a Pharisee. Pharisee, what it means is it, it means separate or distinguished. 
Okay, so Pharisees, they, these were like the, the elitist Jews when it came to the law. Okay? And he goes, I followed all the rules. You see, Paul's outside was pretty much it's like as impressive as it gets in this culture. Let's keep going. Verse 7. But everything that was gained to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. Here's the turn. Here's the change. Paul, he's speaking here in financial terms. So, so think like profit and loss in business, right? Profit, you take money in. Loss, you lose it, right? <clears throat> he's speaking here in financial terms. He's saying all the things that he thought profited him in being acceptable, you know? His ethnicity, his family, his achievements, they weren't actually a gain. They were a loss. Why? He says, because of Jesus. Somehow, Jesus trumps all of it. Hopefully by now, as I'm talking, your, your mind is beginning to consider the things that you look to to make you acceptable. Maybe you're like Paul. Maybe you turn to your, you look to your ethnicity. Maybe you look to your family. Maybe you look to your achievements, your education, your, your finances, how successful you are. Or maybe for you, those things they're not really culturally impressive. So you, you can't look to them. Either way, hear me say this, all of us, we run the risk of believing the lie, it's what's on the outside that counts. That's not true. Paul's gonna take it even further. He says this in verse eight, this is more than that. I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. We could do an entire series on these verses here. Paul says he considers everything to be a loss. Okay, so, so not just the things that are on his resume that he lists, you know, but even the best possible resume. Like you could add a bunch more stuff, a bunch more good things. In Paul's words, everything, everything that he could possibly add to his resume is dung compared to knowing Jesus. One commentator says, to convey the crudity of the Greek, it's best translated, it's all crap compared to Jesus. His words, not mine. Paul also says that he suffered the loss of all things. 
That sounds a lot like 2020, doesn't it? So many things lost in 2020, friends. I mean, I'll spare you the details, I don't have time, but in my household alone, significant loss. Significant loss. In like, and, and so many different times throughout this, this past year. Really affected my children has had done a number on me and Ebony. It's been really painful and difficult to navigate. So many things lost in 2020. And I know the same thing's true for many of you. Friends, what Paul is saying here is pretty intense. Saying all the things he lost pale in comparison to what matters most to him. And what's that? Jesus. He's saying, all those things I thought were so important, they're crap compared to knowing Jesus. Paul is a man whose joy cannot be taken away from him because Jesus cannot be taken away from him. So this kind of got me thinking. This got me thinking. The circumstances of 2020, as awful, as painful, as difficult as they've been, They've robbed the joy away from so many people. Even the most mature Christians. But, according to Paul, the key to a life filled with joy is not pleasant circumstances. It's what? What did he say in the beginning? It's rejoicing in the Lord. It's not looking to circumstances. Remember, the world's broken. All toys break, right? It's not looking to the outside stuff. It's certainly not looking to where culture tells you to look, which is where? Inside yourself. The key to a life filled with joy, friends, is rejoicing in what? The Lord. It's looking to Him. It's fixing our eyes on Him in all of His glory, in all of His beauty, in all of His goodness. Paul says that trusting Jesus, it makes Him more acceptable than anything else ever could. Anything He could add to His resume. And he says that knowing Him is worth more than anything. And as a result, He rejoices even when everything else is lost. I mean, the dude wrote this from a prison cell where he didn't know whether he would live to see another day. Let's keep going. Verse 10. I'm almost done. It says this, My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, Assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Paul's goal is to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Okay, listen to me. Even in the midst of suffering and terrible, awful circumstances, Paul is fixing his eyes on Jesus. Because that is where his joy is found. Listen, I'll close with this. Have you, have you ever been caught in a rainstorm? I have. It is not fun. 
a couple years ago, we had some friends <clears throat> that were very generous to us and they gifted our family with tickets to Disneyland, okay? Now, it was in October, so it was the kind of thing where you would go into the park um, in the afternoon and then you basically, with a smaller group of people, would have the entire park kind of all to yourself with a smaller crowd for the rest of the night, right? So we get into the park in the afternoon and we are excited, man. We are like, the, the, my girls are they're old enough to really enjoy Disneyland, right? And so they're fired up. We're, we're excited to create memories as a family. And, and so after about, I don't know, 90 minutes or so in the park, it starts to drizzle. And I'm like kind of giggling. I'm like, this wasn't even in the forecast. Like, we're going to, okay, this drizzle will pass, whatever, right? We're cruising around the park. 20 minutes later, we're in a downpour. Okay, it is, it is huge, like in Forrest Gump, you know, big old fat rain. Like, it, the rain was, it was out of control and it seemingly came out of nowhere. So, you know, people are running around the park. It's kind of, it's going crazy. So we have this... Brilliant idea, I thought. We pull out, Disneyland has an app now that tells you the wait times of all the rides and like what rides are closed and what rides are open. So I pull out the app and I'm literally watching the app and it's like, okay, we can make it to that ride over there. We can go to, you know, we can go to Space Mountain right now and, and it, most of it's covered so we can just wait in line and, and, and ditch the rain and, and go ride Space Mountain. So we head over to Space Mountain. It says the waits, you know, whatever, it's open. It's like an hour or something. So we head over there. When we get there, they're closing down Space Mountain. So I pull out the, I pull out the app again, and I'm like, okay, we can make it to Small World. So we, like, hightail it up to Small World. By the time we get there, that ride's closed. And I pull out the app again, and I'm looking on the app, and I'm just watching at all the rides, one by one, close down. So we are in Disneyland. None of the rides are open. We've been there for maybe two hours. And it is pouring down rain. Next thing you know, it's like, okay, we're, we have to leave the park. So they're ushering everyone out of the park. Kids are, they're disappointed. They're bummed. I am soaked. They were in a stroller, thank God. Actually, the Burgas. God bless the Burgas. They let us borrow their stroller because their stroller has like one of those, I don't know, I guess it's like a awning kind of thing or that covers the kids, you know? Thankfully, we, we had that. So that's covering the curls. I'm, I'm drenched. So they, they escort us out of the park. And so if you've ever gone to Disneyland, you have to kind of walk a, a little ways over to the tram, you know? takes you back to the parking structure. So we're getting over there. And I'm like kind of trying to run because I'm like, I'm tired of getting wet. Like we make our way to the tram and they've closed the tram. And the employees are standing there and they're like, yeah, you know, sorry, the, the trams are closed due to the weather. Um, but you can walk this way through downtown Disney. It's about a 10 minute walk. And you see, I've been to Disneyland before. So I know that, that employee is lying. It is not a 10 minute walk from the trams to the parking structure. It's actually over a mile, okay? And here's the thing, that walk has about zero overhead coverage. And remember, it is pouring down rain. So we end up walking over the mile, getting to our car, passing through like this mat, it was like a lake. There was like a couple places where it was flooding so bad that like, 
I literally had to like pick up the stroller, I think, and get through. It was insane. Like, I was just totally drenched. The rain never let up. That's what 2020 felt like to me. The rain never let up. It was a rainstorm that just would not let up. Listen to me. What if in 2021, what if the rain doesn't stop? What if the storm gets worse? You think COVID cares that it's January now? Like magically, you know, that, that as we cross into 2021, that COVID's like, oh, it's 2020 is over. We have to stop. No. You see, on that trip to Disneyland, you know what would have been awesome to have? An umbrella. You see, the umbrella, it, it wouldn't have stopped the rain or anything, right? But it would have kept me dry. When all the rides closed down and there was nowhere to go, the, the umbrella, at least it would have kept me dry. Friends, listen to me. You can look to all sorts of things in life to bring you joy, to bring you shelter from the storm. But what you really need is an umbrella. That is what rejoicing in the Lord is. It's, it's a spiritual umbrella that guards you against the storms of life stealing away your joy. It doesn't stop the rain, but it does protect you from getting wet. Listen, as we look ahead to 2021, what are you looking to for joy? Are you looking for things to go back to normal? They won't. Are you looking for your circumstances to change, to be pleasant, to be comfortable? They won't always be. If your joy is determined by your circumstances, listen to me say this, you could be in for another awful year where the rides are all closed, you have to leave the park, there's more fear, there's more division, there's more unrest for your soul. But what if 2021 was a turning point? What if 2021 was the year where your goal became the same as Paul's goal? To rejoice in the Lord always. Like seriously, what if every single day you woke up and that was your goal all throughout the day? To, to rejoice in the Lord, to enjoy Him. It was your goal every day. Like to see him, to, to see that knowing him and receiving his perfect righteousness is the most supreme thing that there is. That, that even the most amazing and beautiful things that life has to offer, according to Paul, are crap compared to him. If you believe that, you would live a transcendent life filled with joy, regardless of how crazy the storm is around you. Friends, that's available to you.
because God has made himself available to you. I want to leave you with the next couple of verses that Paul writes. Let me read this to you. Paul says this in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I love that. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The prize. What's the prize? The prize is Jesus. Your and my spiritual umbrella, whom we can rejoice in always in any circumstance. That means joy can be found in the worst possible times. A transcendent, defiantly joy-filled life. What if 2021 was that for you? Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for giving yourself to us. Thank you that nothing can separate us from your love. Thank you that you really can guard us and protect us from the storms of life, stealing away our joy. So would you help us, Holy Spirit, to be people who live lives every day with the goal of enjoying you, of genuinely honestly enjoying you, who you are, what you've done, what that means for us. We love you dearly. We look to you now. And we ask you to help us. Help us to experience in profoundly personal ways the love that you have for us that can empower us to live transcendently joy-filled lives no matter what. We love you, Jesus. And we pray these things in your holy and beautiful name. Amen. Friends, I love you dearly. Grace and peace to you. Um, what we're going to do now is I'm going to hand things off to the band. And I want to encourage you. Press into Jesus. Enjoy him. Praise him. Love him in return for his love. I'm sorry. Love him uh, as a response to him loving you. Love you guys very much.